Hey, one and all, greetings. It's Bass from Massive Wagons here, and this is a public service announcement. The new wave of classic rock scene has absolutely exploded over the last few years, supported by the best fans around. It just shows what can happen when people come together and get behind something they are truly passionate about. Let's chart this album. That would be absolutely epic for the scene and for the bands involved and certainly for all the fans. You can pre-order your copy of the album at www.nwocr.com. One double album out July 23rd. Get involved! There's an old saying, be nice to everyone you meet on the way up, because you're going to meet them again on the way back down. And that stands true for everything. Almost everything. Because in music, there seems to be a glitch in the system. The wheel stopped turning. A scene-wide traffic jam with no real rhyme or reason. The rise and fall of a famous musician is not a natural process. Somewhere in the past few decades, the term passing the torch was replaced with reaching for the stars. Somewhere on the rock and roll path, we changed the rules. Now once a musician goes up, unless they do something heinous like sexually or physically assault someone or send a politically insensitive tweet, they never come back down. The giants that walked the earth 30 to 50 years ago are still walking the earth. We call them legendary bands now. We didn't call them legendary bands in the peak of their careers. They were stadium bands back then. Many of these bands are fragile, old, well past their prime. Their current talent is band-aided by huge productions and light shows and the perception that newer, more talented bands will never be as good as these legends. We've put them on such a high pedestal that there's no possible way any new band could naturally reach that level. And with every year, Ozzy gets more frail. Vince Neil gets fatter. Gene Simmons sells his retirement to help line his greedy little mentally stunted pockets without ever actually retiring. Is there a problem with rock and roll? Yeah, but it's not a lack of talent or viable new stadium bands. No, we've created a bubble protecting the giants from ever falling back down. We're allowing them to float above the rest regardless of how old and unable they become. It's time we burst the bubble. I'm sorry, I just can't. You've got a lot of things to say, why don't you just say it? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. The sound. Let me start with a quote from the greatest football coach that never existed. One inch at a time. Do you want to hear my Al Pacino impersonation? No, I can't do it for you. It's not very good. I'm too old. <clears throat> I look around, I see these young faces, and I think, I mean, I've made, made every wrong choice a middle-aged man can make. <laughs> I, uh, I pissed away all my money 
believe it or not. I chased off anyone who's ever loved me. And lately, I can't even stand the face I've seen in the mirror. You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of life. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff. You find out life's just game of inches. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a, a terrible Al Pacino impersonation. And that was a speech about football. Uh, but what he's saying in that speech is true. As you get older, things get taken away. You might get slower. Your vision gets worse. You might not be able to move or sing like you used to. We put sports stars on a pedestal too. But unlike music, we don't allow our sports stars to sit at the top while their performance and bodies whittle away. With sport, it's almost tradition to retire at the very top, or at least give up your spot for new talent to come through. And that makes sense. That's what needs to happen for a wheel to keep turning. Here, let me give you an example. The year is 2010. The sport, Australian rules football. The team is Collingwood Magpies. The player, 200-plus game, All-Australian nominated defensive halfback veteran Simon Prestigiacomo. If you don't know who that person is, or even what Australian rules football is, don't worry, it's not too important. It comes back to music in the end. What is important to know is the Collingwood Magpies won the Premiership in 2010. They were heavy favourites to win in 2011. After 14 years at the top, Simon Prestigiacomo retired and went back to club football, opening up a position for a new player. Collingwood used their first draft pick the next year on young, half-forward excitement machine Alex Fasolo. They gave him Prestigiacomo's jumper number as well. And he went on to play in the 2011 Grand Final in front of 100,000 people in his very first year in the big league. He went on to have a decent career himself. Now that's a pretty obscure story. Why on earth did I pick that story, you ask? Well, because the Australian Rules Football League might keep their sports stars young, they're also guilty of floating the old music legends bubble. You see, at that very same 2011 Grand Final full of young, talented sports stars, the AFL forked out $600,000 for the bat out of hell himself, Meatloaf, to play a 12-minute medley of his greatest hits. For all the tax fans out there in my audience, that's $833 every single second. According to the AFL's own stats, only 26 players across the entire league made more than $600,000 for the entire year in 2011. They paid Meatloaf that for 12 minutes. And do you want to hear the performance? Running the risk of uh, copyright infringement here, but come on, this is a $50,000 per minute performance. On the biggest stage of them all, tickets were almost impossible to come by. It must be so amazingly good, right? Alright. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest on The Sound Age, somebody who can only be described as a legend in music. A true giant who walks the earth. Here he is, Meatloaf. Meatloaf. 
Was that as good as you imagined a $600,000 performance would sound? In sports, the wheel keeps turning. Old is replaced by new, better talent. In rock and roll, the wheel stopped decades ago. And we fans, we lap it up. We fuel the problem. We will happily pay more and more for these dinosaurs to waddle out onto the stage, nowhere near their peak. We're dazed by the giant stage with the crazy lights. It's a spectacle, we tell ourselves. We justify the insane price because who knows if this is the last time that they'll ever be touring here. We don't think of the opening support as the same level because they have those white house lights on. They play for 25 minutes with limited sound allocated to a corner of the stage. The support act could play a flawless entertaining show, but they're not as good as the headliners because the headliners have fireworks. We've helped foster this bubble, and it's suffocating the natural growth of newer talent. I'm not saying those legends should retire. They should, however, go back down the card, relative to their performance levels. That footballer I mentioned earlier, Simon Prestigiacomo, he retired from the big league, but he went on to play well into his 40s, at a fraction of his pay. Somewhere better suited to his current standard. Why don't we expect the same from musicians? Here's another one. Vince Neil. Everyone puts on bad shows. But Vince Neil, he's been putting in regular terrible performances for years. I actually won free tickets to see Motley Crue about seven years ago. Vince's words back then were totally unrecognisable. And yet, tens of thousands of other people paid $100 to see him that night. $100? Do you know how much you can buy with that? Let's spend that money on some vocalists who can hold their own, shall we? This is Dan Byrne, frontman of Liverpool hard rock act Revival Black. Tickets to their tour pre-pandemic were £8 or about 13 Australian dollars. Here is Aaron Buchanan, former frontman of Heaven's Basement and now with his own band, The Cult Classics.
Yeah. His tickets are a whopping £13 for one of the most charismatic frontmen I've ever seen. In Australia, you have the incredibly talented Virginia Lilly. She's a heavy metal singer. And she has shared the stage with some of the legends. Her band, Lily, charge about $13. Or you can see her for free most weekends at a cover gig. But maybe you don't want to watch songs you don't know, regardless of how great the singers are. Okay, maybe you want to hear the classics, fine. If that's your thing, here is Looks That Kill Oz, a Motley Crue tribute band. Listen again, Vince Neil singing unrecognisable words for $100 per ticket. Or a bunch of kids from Australia doing Motley Crue better than Motley Crue for a fraction of the price. I don't know about you, but... If I'm going just to hear those songs be played live, I'm gonna go watch the tribute band at less than a quarter of the price and probably about 30 times the talent. And before you point out the fact that it's none of my business how people spend their money, yeah, you're right. But just know that by propping up these hardly able fossils and plopping them on a stage, you're stunting the growth of the next wave of stadium bands. And it's not just the legendary bands that can't perform anymore either. Guns N' Roses are my favourite band of all time. Appetite for Destruction is the greatest album ever made. Fight me on that, you'll never win. But what have Guns N' Roses done since Use Your Illusion albums 30 years ago? They released a critically panned covers album. They have had, what, I don't know, 32 lineup changes. They've left fans waiting for hours. They've physically attacked photographers. They've caused riots which caused damage to people's property. And in 2008, they released a, yeah, pretty okay album with Chinese Democracy. It was 13 years in the making and severely over budget, but it never really actually made an impact. Original members return, and 30 years after their last truly impactful recordings they're still on top of the card. And you could argue that's because thousands of people still buy their records every single week. And that's true. But are Guns N' Roses on top of the festival lineups because they sell so many records? Or do they sell thousands of records every week because we keep them at the top of the festival bills? Think about it. There's 300,000 babies born every single day, meaning there's about 300,000 people turning 18 every day. Some of them get into rock and roll. And when they look at the festivals to see who's the most popular band at the moment, they see Guns N' Roses. So of course, they check them out first. Look, to finish up this episode, I've picked a festival. 
to sort of prove a point. And that festival is Download Festival, it used to be called Monsters of Rock. This isn't a diss on the festival at all, they're a business in the end. They make business decisions based on what they think the fans will buy. And what I've done is I've made a chart of the average age of the singers of the headline acts at Download or Monsters of Rock each year. The full chart is posted on social media now for everyone to go see at the Sound Age. But I'm going to break it down for you into decades for you to hear. So here we go. The average age of the singers of the headliners at Monsters of Rock in the 80s was 33 years old. Monsters of Rock in the 90s, the average age for the singers of the headliners was 40 years old. In the 2000s, it became download, and the average age for that decade was 41 years old. And then in the 20-teens, the decade just passed, the average age of the singers of all the headliners at Download Festival was 51.5 years old. That's right. In the last 10 years, the average age of the headliners has gone up 10.5 years. How on earth can this trend survive? You could argue it's up to the festival to promote new bands, and yes, I agree. But it's the fans that complain every time a new name is added to the top of the card. I'm not a Biffy Clyro fan. But they fill arenas as a headliner. The same arenas that the legends fill. They're a veteran band of 20 years, mind you. They're not brand new. But they are at the peak of their career. And yet, the majority of the complaints about the download lineup revolve around how Biffy Clyro are not worthy to be a headline position. We should celebrate a newer name at the top of the card. That's just the wheels turning. Look, I'm a big advocate of every festival having new talent being represented at the bottom of the card. I also believe that this should happen at the top of the card. Three-day festivals should be promoting new headliners. Not on every day, but at least one or two of the days. Rival Sons, Alter Bridge, Blackstone Cherry, Airborne, all of these bands should headline download in the next five years. They've all been permanent fixtures in that second headliner spot for years. The only way they become headliners is if we make them headliners. Give them the fireworks budget and watch newer talent wow the audience with a high production spectacle. So that's today's episode. Do you agree? Who do you think should be the next headliners? Hit me up on the Sound Age. See you next time.